0: Welcome to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and in this podcast series, I interview physicians, medical innovators, and entrepreneurs making an impact on healthcare. This podcast is produced by DaVinci Academy, a multimedia medical education company that provides podcasts, video courses, and digital textbooks. You can see more on our website, ww.dbiacademy.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash DaVinci Academy Med. This podcast is sponsored by doc to doc the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Do you have some big expenses in the near future? Maybe you're moving, applying to residency or fellowship, fixing up your car or home, or starting a new practice. doc to doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, residents, and medical students, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past, and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Check out Dr docs personal loan options at doc DaVinci. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm honored this week to be joined by Dr. Mark Royer. An ENT surgeon in private practice in Indiana, and then also the founder of ENT Surgery Solutions, a locum tenens firm uh, for ENT specialists. So, Dr. Royer, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thanks, Dr. Cooper. I'm really happy to be here. I've been a big fan of yours. I'm so impressed, and everybody says this that they can't believe all that you're involved in as a resident, Uh, but even if you were attending with a whole team of people <laughs> that were doing all these things, it's, it's crazy impressive. Your podcast and, and your defensive learning materials and, and your medical device startup. So uh, I'm a huge fan and I appreciate you uh, letting me come on and talk to you about
0: uh, locums. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I guess starting out, you know, we were talking before we started recording, maybe just give a little background about your, your private practice here. You know, your wife, you were telling me is your is your partner in your practice. That's pretty cool. And so maybe give you an overview of, of just your, like what your areas of clinical focus are.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, so uh, yeah, my wife, Allie, is ear, nose and throat as well. Uh, we met in residency and we, uh, right out of residency, we took hospital employed jobs uh, as general ENTs. And so we were in a small town, a little south, uh, about an hour south of Indianapolis, and loved it. I mean, we we greatly enjoyed working together, enjoyed operating together. Uh, we did we did everything from tubes and tonsils all the way up to thyroids, head, and neck, facial re- reconstruction. So we had a great time. Uh, we did that for about three years, uh, three four years actually. And uh, you know, the downside to that is when you're both in the same specialty and both in the same practice, uh, and we were the only ones that were kind of covering the ER there. We were we were on call quite frequently uh and, and like all the time so uh about four years in when we decided to kind of focus on the locums company and move to uh, a little bit further south to where Allie was from uh, for help with our kids uh, her parents had just retired and and graciously agreed to help us out with him um we decided to kind of focus on an area of our specialty that was that was has really grown quite significantly and that's uh uh sinus surgery, nasal airway, breathing, uh, more quality of life uh, surgery, uh, largely outpatient, a lot of in office. And so we, we were doing that um, while we were uh, g- working on and growing our, our locums company. And we still maintain that. Uh, we still maintain that clinical practice. It's kind of like our home base because our kids are in a school that they love with their grandparents uh, around and, and uh, really enjoy being able to have a place that we kind of call home, um, you know, most of the year uh, with with the with the whole family in in uh, that kind of
0: subspecialty practice. That's awesome. Yeah, having having family close by is always makes things better and more enjoyable for sure. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious. So, how you know you're a, a, you like you said you were two busy surgeons. You know, you had your practice. You got kids. You're raising a family. I guess, what what was the inspiration to start ENT Surgery Solutions? What, what kind of prompted that? How'd you get started doing that? Yeah, so ENT Surgery
1: Solutions is a uh, locums company that specializes in ear, nose, and throat uh, surgery for both call coverage and for service lines for hospitals. And so the reason we started doing that was because being the only two physician or ENT surgeons in this, uh, covering for this ER in our practice, when we were having our daughters or, or wanting to travel or just leave town, uh, we had to find someone to cover our patients. And so we started using locum tenens, uh, doctors, and I knew nothing about locum tenens at the time. It it never even, it, it wasn't talked about in residency. We, I didn't know anybody who had done it. And uh, I actually hadn't even really thought this through when we're like joining this, 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 starting this practice in this small town. Well, what are we gonna do when, <laughs> when our daughter's born, right? So like uh, trying to figure that out um, is where we discovered locums. And the hospital, we were hospital employed. So, uh, which was great because, you know, they were then uh, supportive to bring in locums doctors to cover our practice. And during the course of that, I got to know Uh, the docs who were covering for us and I got to know their stories and why they were doing what they were doing. And, um, and kind of the, just from the personal side of it, um, learned about that. And then around that same time, I was starting to work on my, my MBA and I started, you know, I had, that was on the hospital employed side. So I I knew what the hospital was paying the docs. I knew what the docs were getting paid because they became friends and I was, and the whole point of an MBA is to try to find value, to create value. And I, and I thought in my head, I was like, well, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a way to pay docs more and charge hospitals less, right? So I just kind of started thinking about that, and 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 with Ali working on that and trying to figure that out, uh, how we could potentially do that. And of course, at the time, I thought, oh, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> but <laughs> of course, it wasn't, right? It was, there's a reason that uh, there's that there's that difference, and that uh, the the. The locums business is um, is a uh, difficult one, and uh, you know it, it it was it's it was very hard to kind of get up and 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 to get going and start the uh, the whole process and the business. Um, but I learned that we learned a lot in the process, and and have you know now gotten to a point where uh, we're really proud of what we're doing and and what we're expanding and, and continuing to add an offer to to the company.
0: That's awesome. Uh, so maybe taking a step back, maybe maybe just walk us through like what locum for any listeners that maybe aren't too familiar, maybe they've heard of it, but they don't. And I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about locums. Like I was telling you, I, I didn't really even know what it was till I got to residency and started here to heard uh, about people, you know, attendings leaving and doing it or sure. attending in and doing that are doing it. Um, so maybe give us like a little bit of background on that and then how that also like ties into what your like, where your company fits in with all that, like what like services you provide and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So great question. So we, uh, you know, I, you knew about, so you said you have heard about it in residency. We hadn't, I hadn't even heard about it until I, I got out of residency. And like I said, we needed it for our, for our uh, own uh, sanity and, and ability to to get away from just covering our patients 24 7. So locum tenens uh, is is Latin and it means it literally means to take the place of, and traditionally has meant to take the place of a physician like a, a position that was absent whether from vacation, or leave for some reason or uh, just having a gap in in coverage, and traditionally uh, locum tenens doctors, um, I would say. It, it, across the board have had a kind of a negative connotation to it. Right. So like if you see someone who's in the the middle of their career and they're randomly showing up at some hospital filling in, there's, I I would say there's, there always been this thought of, well, okay, well, why isn't that doctor working full-time somewhere else? I mean, that's just been the, that is the, that, that has been the conception. And we have seen, I've seen even since I, started using locums myself, and uh, kind of the trend started before that, that it has become a much more mainstream, both career choice for physicians, um, but also a much more widely used for uh, hospitals and, and, and health systems. So a typical, you know, a hospitalist would be an example, right? A hospitalist is a very kind of straightforward way to kind of conceptualize locums, especially as the hospital system started taking more of an effect as opposed to doctors admitting their own patients in town, internists, for example, um, you would, you'd have doctors that would come in and work a week or two weeks, leave, maybe come back, maybe do that once a month, twice a month. Um, but as this, the demand for short-term physicians has grown, um, we've seen that exp- spread to all specialties. Um, and specifically in ENT, what I started to see happening was that, there were a number of practices that maybe had three or four docs in their group, and they were independently their independent practice, but they were maybe closely aligned with the hospital, and they started to be uh, bought by hospitals, and so then they became employed doctors. And there were benefits of that, right? They their overhead was taken care of. They were they they didn't have to worry about the day to day management. Then go from a group of three or four to maybe the oldest doc would retire, maybe they lose another doc somewhere else, and then they were suddenly a group of two three, And their call burden was such that, you know, they were employed. So they were expected to cover the ER and they were expected to uh, make sure that their patients were covered. And uh, that just became a, a kind of a difficult thing to do, especially as they weren't able to recruit in more doctors. And so from, from an ENT standpoint, just given the uniqueness of our specialty, and there are others like, that are like that, like vascular surgery, neurology, these kind of subspecialty sur- surgery surgeries. Uh, I saw that there was a need for call coverage. And so that's what we started doing was, was looking for ways that we could help find docs who were working and, and needed to work in those positions um, to kind of match up um, docs that were looking to provide some short-term coverage and with docs that, uh, we're in this situation where they were employed on call all the time and and needed some help.
0: Sure, I'm curious. I f- I, f- I feel like just anecdotally I've noticed this, but I'm curious from your viewpoint have Have you seen a dramatic increase in locums as a result of the pandemic and you know these staffing shortages, physicians leaving that type of you know thing, and then even just people I think realizing they can have more flexibility potentially.
1: Yeah, definitely for all.
0: Every single one of those reasons that you kind
1: of have, you know, intuitively figured out, like you have docs who we, we had a number of kind of older physicians who, especially in ENT, when we're putting scopes down noses, and we don't know what we don't know what's going on, and they maybe had some comorbidities, or even if it's just just older age, they're like, okay, well, I'm going to like retire early. Right. And so then you had a need for docs there. Um, We also had um, more docs that were just needed in different specialties like critical care, for example, and pulmonology. Um, So hospitals really looking for physicians. And then I think everybody just kind of collectively paused and was like, okay, well, what is what is important to us? I mean, we're starting to see the shift among millennials and now especially Gen Z, I mean, it, we're just, it seems as though kind of our, our family time, our personal time, our time with our with our kids and our spouses really is something that is valued. And so is there, I have a lot of docs that I talk to that are, that are trying to look for a way that maybe they can get out of the just kind of continual full-time grind and work a week, a month or two weeks a month. Um, and so that as that becomes more in the kind of minds of of docs who are who are looking for a different type of career, then because they're not necessarily working full time, then that opens up more need for docs. So it, it it has been a a huge shift that I think was 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 trending in this direction, but was definitely accelerated through the staffing needs and shortages and different kind of creative ways that that physicians were placed and staffed uh, from the from the pandemic. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. I'm curious, you know either just from in general or especially from also your, your company standpoint, who, like, who are using locums the most? Is it, you know, people probably initially think, Oh, it's probably like remote hospitals or, you know, things, but even here in like a Metro Atlanta, like I've heard of, you know, major health systems, like using, you know, locums doctors. So I'm curious, like, where does where that usually, you know, is it private practice? First, do academics use them? You know, those, I guess, where, where do you see the locums going?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, this is an area that's changed a lot recently. It used to be that would have been a very kind of a rural hospital for a very specific specialty, say, hospitalist or ER, right? So, um, those were the, the kind of the go to ones that we're needing. We've seen personally in our business in ENT, but this I was just at the national conference for the local tenants organizations, and this, this trend is through all specialties, all businesses. The, the docs that are interested in providing locums are, are kind of all demographics now. Uh, it's docs that are working out non-competes, so they are maybe early, mid-career. It's docs now is a lot more docs are doing fellowships. Maybe they're kind of waiting a year to go into their fellowship and, and earning some income, or they're after kind of trying to give themselves a little time to make sure they find that perfect job post-fellowship that are working. Uh, we have a lot of docs that are in the military. Uh, it was like a side note for the military docs that are working uh, locums. They are just amazing, right? They're just, Super hardworking. They're, they're they they have uh, leave time that they're able to to go and work. I take every single military <laughs> position that I can get to work. Locums because they are just outstanding. They're loved by their the patients. They do such a great job. So you know they're 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 in the workforce and continue to to continue to be in the the locums workforce. And we have a lot of doctors who um, are you know maybe not wanting to work till they're like 70 or 75 and and wanting to slow down a little bit but not just give up their practice completely in the in their fifth late 50s 60s you know whatever and so it's a great way for them to be able to maintain some uh, continued uh, licensure and and stay in the field without feeling like they have to be uncalled q2 q3 with the case volumes that that are required of that. Um, as far as our clients and the and the hospitals that are needing it, it used to be very much just rural hospitals. Now we are seeing uh, we have we have in our in our special, we have clients that are academic. We have both docs that are working for us that are in academics looking for you know coverage options on the weekend to to try and supplement some income. We also have clients where we're providing not just ENTs to those specialties, but subspecialty ENTs, be it pediatrics or head and neck. And uh, so that, and that's true in all these specialties. We're getting extremely subspecialized locum tenens doctors, uh, which would have never been the case before. Used to just be very general, and now we're getting very subspecialized for almost like kind of long-term and ongoing coverage needs. Not just you know coming in and I mean certainly there's the maternity leaves and paternity leaves that are being filled, or uh, if someone's taking off for a medical reason, but we're talking long-term. Contracts for academic departments, um, depending upon what the specialty is we're seeing uh, across the country.
0: That's interesting. And so, for your company, your it sounds like are your clients both obviously both the physicians, but then are you, are your clients also the the hospitals? I guess like what's the business model? Does the do the hospitals pay you guys for essentially like a list, or you know probably more sophisticated than that, but like you know access to physicians looking for positions, and then. The other way around, I guess. How does that How does that all work? Yeah,
1: usually it's it's hospitals or healthcare systems. Like it's it's almost exclusively that for our company and and any locums company. Um, it it's not a viable the 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 expense of locums of having locums doesn't make a lot of sense in like a private practice model. So the clients are. Uh, who are helping out providing staffing and who's paying the, the locums companies are hospitals and health systems almost exclusively. Um, and it varies. It used to be, when, you know, I was very laser focused when we started. I just want to provide call coverage because call coverage is great because the docs that were helping out uh, love it, right? So even, like, they're employed, they're burnt out, they, they are overwhelmed, they're ready to, a lot of times, they're ready to leave their job. And it's been a lot of word of mouth where I'll call them up and I'm like, hey, you know, I hear <laughs> our field is very small in ear, nose and throat. So it's like, hey, my, my friend who, you know, you know, trained somehow with like I, I hear you're kind of struggling with your position. It's not quite how it was when you signed on two years ago. And then, you know, of course, they're ready to leave. I'm like, well, hey, look, here's what we can do. That's a win, win, win. We can we can get you some call coverage and that'll give you some relief, uh, whether it's a weekend, a month or even just during the weekday. So you're not getting pulled away to do, manage a tonsil bleed while you have a clinic full of patients. You know, a lot of these docs are RVU based. And so that's detrimental to that. It's detrimental to their just their ability to feel like they're underwater. The, the hospitals, you know, they don't love to pay for call coverage, but it allows them to can keep those docs happy and keep them rather than lose them and lose the service line. And then, um, you know, the docs that are coming in and working like they're, that's what they want to do. They want to they want to have an opportunity to be able to come in and then but then they can leave. Right. They can come in. Really give it their all. Um, depending on this, some sites are very busy. Some sites are really not busy at all. But they're they're able when they're done, they're done. It's shift work. They don't have that those phone calls incoming weeks later when they're not there with a question about you know this or that uh, issue. So it's a win win win, and that's what I envisioned that we'd be doing exclusively. Especially to kind of your previous question about well, what's changed with the pandemic? One thing I have seen is a lot of uh, rural hospitals, especially, have had an interest in trying to grow ancillary service lines, specifically surgical service lines, right? They want ortho, the urology, ENT. And so um, there's been a growth in, in actually requesting service lines. And so that has been something that we've, that, we've, that we've really seen a huge increase in. And it's great because that really does help the patients. When you have hospitals that have the ability to bring that into their communities, I mean, especially in our field where we're doing ear tubes, for example, as one example, these kids, it's, it's dramatic for them to be able to hear and, and then improve their speech and their, their long-term kind of academic and, and uh, socioeconomic success. The the studies are, are, are really fascinating. We see that directly, that they're able to get that because these docs are being brought into the community that they otherwise, otherwise wouldn't have. So we've seen a lot more of that um, growth lately. So it's usually hospitals, health systems, a lot of our business specifically is providing call coverage for employee groups, uh, but we're seeing a lot more uh, rural hospitals
0: looking for service lines. Interesting. I'm curious also from, you know, so if a physician's thinking of doing this, I guess, what's the, what's the pace model like? Is it, you know, and then I guess, how does that, how does that fit into their taxes and all that type, those types of things, I guess, what are, is it, you know, obviously this can probably vary depending on where you go and what your specialty is, but I guess, how how would it compare? I guess to if they were full working full time per se.
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. A couple of things with regards to that. So as far as their their um, if if they're thinking about doing it and they're kind of saying, okay, well, this sounds interesting. I want to know more. How would I start? A couple of like tips that I always give docs is um, first of all, I you know I want to make sure that they understand that there are a lot of locums companies out there. There are. Uh, locums companies, um, and we've seen that even with COVID situation where we've had um, probably a tripling of the number of companies that are out there. There's an organization called NALTO, and that's the National Association of Locum Tenants Organizations. And that company is about has about 80 companies, has some really big names like Comp Health and Weatherby and LocumTenants.com, who are the big players in there. And then it has mid tier and smaller companies as well. They have to be, uh, they apply to be admitted, uh, but the Importance of looking for an alto company, and I say this: we are admitted. We were admitted last year, so um, you know, with that disclaimer. But there are standards. Uh, there, there are kind of best practices standards that that we all uh, agree to to offer and to stand by. And we, there's even internal kind of review of that. We have an ethics committee and for any complaints, if there's a physician who has, has a, you know, a complaint about one of the companies that we, that we look into and investigate and, and uh, you know, they're pretty rare, but uh, it, it is a, a, a group of companies that are you know committed to pr- making sure that you're provided the appropriate malpractice insurance credentialing, communication standards, et cetera. So that would be the one thing. And you know, Nalto.org uh, is the the website for that and has the list of all the companies. If there's a company that you're thinking about doing, I would that's one thing I would ask the recruiter is, hey, are, are they NALTO members? Uh, because that can that can make a huge impact on um, just the whole process and and how it and how it goes for the doc. As far as kind of once they've kind of found a company they're working with, the other thing if you're thinking about locums is I would say make sure you plan ahead. So it's not one of those things. I, I've I've gotten a few calls lately where you have a doc who's you know looking to to just quit their job, or <laughs> looking to quit their job, or lost their job, and they're like, hey, you know, I have this like one month gap. I'd love to work locums next week. And even during COVID, we saw that like prompt licensing and credentialing was actually pretty rare. There were a few exceptions, a few specialties uh, like uh, critical care, for example, where. Uh, the licensing became kind of, those emergency uh, orders caused it to change. And so you could get a license pretty quickly, but even then it was very rare. Uh, Usually the hospitals um, aren't thrilled to be paying for call for their employee docs. So we find that um, there's not a motivation to expedite credentialing. And then the licensing can take months. Um, And uh, in, in some of our states, it's taking up to six months to get licensed. We're talking a doc who's Never had a lawsuit. Who has no issues? Never had any licensing issues. Um, and you know, fortunately now there's been some a lot of media pushback on this. Like people are like, well, why are our not why are our docs not being able to get licensed? Why is it taking so long? Uh, we've seen that in a couple of states that we practice in, and so that's been good because that's then motivated the local licensing boards to to you know answer the calls when the applicants calling and stuff like that. So, but I just be aware that it does take months, not not days or weeks, if you're thinking about doing locums. Um, as far as pay, um, one of the big advantages of pay, a lot of people do like the fact that you are an independent contractor, you're getting paid in a, in a 1099 form, uh, as opposed to a W2. Um, and so that um, you know, that's I'm certainly not a, a tax accountant there, but you know, there are a lot of blog posts that I that I was reading as I was looking into this um, about well, what are the benefits of that, and you know, some of the benefits are you can write off certain business expenses um, as a with that 1099 income. There are some ways you can help save for retirement. So um, if you just Google 1099, the benefits of physician 1099 income, there are several really good posts that I've seen in uh, the White Coat Investor, Physician on Fire, etc., that have. Uh, explain that really well. And then the other thing that I really try to talk to docs about is, is the pay. Because um, there's this, I would say, misconception that the pay for locums is actually some really, really high number compared to just standard pay. And it's different with locum tenens work as physicians than it is with uh, where we hear a lot about this is travel nursing. Now, travel nurses can make two or three times what they make from a full-time job, and it's just that just doesn't really exist for physician locums. And a lot of docs I think are surprised to hear that. It's not that it's a, it's not usually a huge reduction, but I always tell doctors when they call me up and they're they're looking, you know, are you are you looking to work full time? I advise them if they're looking to work truly full time that the best option is to find a place that you like to live, a situation you're happy in, and really spend. The majority of you like like stay there do that full-time job um uh you're gonna you're gonna be better off you're gonna be um in a better financial situation than if you're trying to work full-time at a bunch of different sites where the locums pay or kind of financial situation works really well is if you're looking to have more free time, more autonomy, if you want to travel abroad for stretches, if you don't necessarily want to work full time, if you'd like to try different variations in practice models and locations, um, that's when it works well. Uh, But kind of plan in your head that take what a full time salary would be and divide it by ever how many days you want to work, it's not going to be a huge, it's not going to be like double that or anything like you would see with travel nursing, it's going to be pretty much on par, um, uh, more or less. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other thing that I always advise uh, docs about is to, you know, negotiate their pay. I mean, just like in anything, if if you're talking to a locum's company, and uh, except for ours, of course, we always give <laughs> a very high, a very high, and <laughs> no need to uh, negotiate for the rate. Uh, but in, in seriousness, yeah, like uh, if you have a spot that you you know you're talking to locum's company and you you found a place that you think might might work for you. Um. Always, you know, request whether it's if you don't feel comfortable asking for more pay or think the pay is fair, then there are things that can be worked on. Like maybe you don't want to take as much time flying, and there's like a, a nice nonstop flight from an airport, but you know maybe it's more expensive. You know, ask for that to be covered. So I always advise docs,
0: uh, you know, to do things like that with regards to pay. You know, that, I think that's an interesting point you make that about comparing physicians to like the nursing. You know, because you know I've heard about that as well, where these tra- some of these travel nurses are really making. Uh, compared to what they could make just a regular employment and they're making considerably more money. Do you think that's more just a supply and demand type thing? Or do you think that's also a nature of that just a physician attending physician salary is so much higher or is it maybe both?
1: Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't actually talked to um, hospital administrators about this, but what I know from other areas of, of physician salaries is we are really regulated, right? So, like, our for for, for an ENT to do a tonsillectomy, like they can only make so much, right? I mean, there it, it's a little bit varies, but like Medicare pays so much, insurance companies pay so much. So, and there are federal rules and regulations with how much a physician can make uh, based on like Stark laws, anti kickback laws, and with regards to nursing, you know, they're they're not they're not the ones ordering tests, they're not the ones doing surgery and deciding where those are done. So, I think they can, it becomes supply and demand then like for a hospital to stay open and to keep their ICU open, they need ICU nurses. I mean, they just do. So then that's where you're looking at, you know, they're, they're, they're able to then double or triple in some cases uh, the salary for, for travel nursings to, to bring it in. Otherwise they have to close the ICU down. And physicians, I mean, ultimately we, we are, they, they can't have a doc come in and just pay them some exorbitant amount even though they'd like to have a service line, because essentially they do, they do reach a point where they're, it doesn't make financial sense. Number one, number two, then they have to worry about, okay, well, is that does that kind of trigger some of these fair market value rules and regulations that uh, that that might apply if they're if they're overpaying someone, even if they otherwise want to be able to find anybody. So I think uh, I think those are kind of the, the the main issues. I'm certainly no expert on that, but but that would be my kind of take on why you can make so much more as, as a travel nurse than, you know, as a, as an attending doing, doing locums.
0: Yeah. That, d- that definitely makes sense That you know, relatively uh, right. Like not absolutely right. <laughs> still
1: just, you know, like yeah, uh, compared to the baseline. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess how much of it, you know, you hear these stories about, and this may just be people, you know, maybe frustrated with their own jobs, but you hear like of, you know, attendings quitting a place and then coming back as a locums or like, you know things like that, or, or like you said, they use it to like get around their non-competes and things like that. And you know maybe that's you know that's their prerogative if they want to do that. But I guess how much is that? How much do you see that going on? And I guess is that, or is it more just kind of a, a varied reasons like you've mentioned previously?
1: Yeah. So the non-compete is an interesting uh, point. Uh, we've had a number of docs in the past couple of years. They're not. They're not getting around their non-compete because they still can't work in the town or region. But maybe their kids are in school and they they've got like a life set up there and they leave and they they can't they're not allowed to work within like 50 miles of that town but their kids are like in in school and they're you know they have friends or family or whatever and they and they don't want to leave so what do they do do you uproot the whole family and move them um and so that's we've actually seen a lot of docs here that are kind of like early to mid-career maybe three to seven years in that are in that situation they're changing jobs into the same town but those uh, non-competes are really, really difficult to negotiate out of, to to break. I mean, they're almost impossible. And so then they'll come and be like, okay, well, I it, I may not, you know, be able to work full time, but I can go for a seven day stretch or an eight day stretch. A lot of times we'll encourage, uh, if if it's especially if like it's a school break, you know, there's always a differential if there's a holiday. So Christmas, well, I families don't really like to travel together on Christmas but like you know other school breaks they like spring break for example um uh th- we encourage the families to come along i mean you know we'll get we've many times we'll get like the either an airbnb if they want that or need that or uh you know as a, for a bigger house or one of those like big kind of sweet uh hotels or whatever you know we, we want to make it as comfortable and 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 livable as possible and so bringing the family along oftentimes allows that but as far as non-competes yeah it's, it's kind of nuts. I mean, as a physician, I have my own kind of take on non-competes. I, 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 don't, I don't, uh, don't think they're great uh, for anyone in the healthcare field to be able to kind of limit where they practice. And I think there are some attempts or discussions at least of getting rid of those. Um, but in the, in the kind of interim, the reality is they exist and they can be very disruptive. And locums has been, I think a good way for a number of docs um, that I know personally that have worked with us personally to be able to provide uh, a really good uh, living uh, while they're working that out, with also then balancing great family time, and kind of to counter to counteract my point where I was like, oh, you don't make as much. Like, one of our docs was in academics and made a lot more doing locums, working less uh, than than the if you talk if you just look at just pure, pure hour, you know hours worked because uh, you know God bless them, our, our attendings in in academics, man, there are a lot of hours that they're putting in that they are uncompensated for. Um, and so really what we try to do in locums is we, we, that's the reason why I think a lot of these docs really like it is, you know, you're getting compensated for your time. There's none of this sitting at the computer, not getting paid to, to work when you're taking care of patients, be it documenting in their notes or seeing them in clinic or, you know, waiting in the, in the hospital, waiting around for equipment or whatever to be done. Like those docs are being compensated for that. So it makes you feel like your time is, is valued a lot more.
0: Definitely. Definitely. My next question is especially relevant for, you know, your field of ENT or really any procedure-based field, but I guess how much for locums, how limited are you on like, what type of, you know, surgeries can you do? What type of procedures can you do? And also on on the other side of that, the legal aspect, like who carries the malpractice for that or who covers the malpractice for that?
1: Yeah, that's a huge
0: question that we get
1: almost every doc we talk to. They're worried, you know, concerned about the malpractice and understandably, and it's, it's a wise thing to ask because I think as as a physician, it is the number one thing we have to worry about. Um, and that's why I go back to talking about the NALTO companies, because as NALTO companies, it's really, really expensive and difficult to get the locums companies malpractice policies that meet the required standards, the standards that I'd want to have as a physician to take care of patients and to know that from a liability standpoint, I'm protected. So it's really expensive. So because of that, then you do have some Kind of <laughs> less than above board companies that can pop up and say, "Hey, you know, come work for us," right? But they may not, and oftentimes they really don't have all of those requirements as far as the limits of coverage and knowing that the the tail will be included and 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 those issues. So, to answer the question, it's the malpractice, it's the locum's company most of the time that will be providing the malpractice policy, and that's just because we have you know the the barrier to get in to get that policy is so high that it's it's usually impossible for a, for a solo doc to carry that themselves. Checking to make sure they have nalto. asking those questions like, is my tail included? What are my limits? Like those are really important questions to be asking. Um, and um, the, kind of the other part of your question with what what type of procedures can you do right as either an IR doctor or an ENT or a, you know, vascular surgeon going to these places. One thing I really like about the call coverage gigs is that is very so you can you you're covering for these docs like that's a conversation that you talk to them about and as doc to doc like hey what what do you want me to do what do you want me to transfer right so um depending on where you're at obviously the academic centers or the the children's hospitals they're like the end of the road so they're doing everything um when they leave they have fellowship trained docs to kind of cover and change over to Um, When we have more rural hospitals and more like service lines, that is something that I think as physicians who run the practice, we kind of are, we're very involved in like making sure that upfront when we have the very first conversations with the hospitals there, and of course they want you to do everything and anything, but as physicians and surgeons and keeping in mind patient care, we really make sure that everybody's on the same page and understands like, Hey, it's great that we can come here and provide care to these, these, these patients, but we're, it's not, we're not going to be able to provide absolutely every surgery that they would need, right? We, what are our, what is our anesthesia situation? What is our nurse training situation? What are our ORs like? What do we have for after hours emergency room availability? And so we're able to do a lot, but we also are really involved from the kind of get-go with the, with the hospitals of making sure that, and we, that, we, that we know the limits of what can be provided. And that's a conversation we have when the docs are coming in as well up front. So that's a a really good kind of point to make about when you are talking to a recruiter and thinking about doing it, like, and they're saying, Hey, I've got this great opportunity in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, and you can practice, you know, it's great. You can practice every, anything you want to do there, right? Like, or, or you're expected to, right? So really digging into that. And if you can't get good answers for what level of care do I have available? What, who's, you know, who's taking care of these patients when I, when I go back home or when I'm done with my assignment, if, it, it, you know, saying oh they'll just be transferred—that is not, a, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's not an acceptable answer. Um, so you know, make if they can't answer those questions, then I, I'd say look look elsewhere because there are companies that do greatly care and are aware of those situations um, for uh, so that you know that you're going to be providing the best care and not leaving a, a patient in a lurch um, in in a in a situation of a rural middle of nowhere clinic who had a surgery done that maybe they should have not had done and, and should have instead been been
0: uh, primarily taken care of elsewhere. Sure. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm curious from the from being a physician entrepreneur, that standpoint, um, I guess one, how, how are you balancing all the, you know, a full full clinical practice and then running the company? And I guess, what type of, have, have you, you know, how many, like, I guess, employees or, you know, partners do you have to kind of help you run and build this company? <laughs> Yeah, so we have we have
1: great employees and and so we it's kind of been a you know when we started it it was a lot just a ton of work and we were doing it mostly kind of like we obviously we had accountants and interviewing for different accountants and healthcare attorneys to get the contracts and and trying to figure out them out i mean it's just so so much work and you know in my my mba time i'm like oh it's gonna be no problem and it was it was just a lot right and so you're doing a ton you're spending hours and hours and hours once we finally, and it took years, but once we finally got all of that groundwork laid, and now especially being involved with the like the Locum Tenens Organization, National Locum Tenens Organization, like you really didn't have a system and a plan. And so we have great employees who help us. Um, but one thing that we've done that's been unique in, in our situation is um, you know, in our practice, um, we've been able to, so we have our specialty practice where Allie and I are in our like home base in Indiana. But as we have scaled the company and that has grown, we've been able, we spend some time, like right now we're actually at, a, at, a, at on assignment covering for a site um, that, that had a gap in coverage. So we focus a lot more on doing that and helping the company grow than we you know, do. And like, it's not like we have a full-time practice back home and they're trying to do this you know as well. It's, it's really, we have kind of uh, scaled into this as we've been doing it. And the other thing that's been unique about our, our business model is we have really relied upon and brought in uh, physicians to help us with uh, our our different sites. So for example, we have a site that is a very busy level one trauma center. So we have a doctor who um, uh, has military connections and uh, kind of is our site director for that location. And we have different doctors in different regions who We'll work at those sites themselves but they kind of coordinate those locations and so they use their network to bring in doctors and make sure that, that that company those are all those are all staffed and then our company with our kind of staff members works on the back end to make sure the contracts confirmations malpractice make sure that's all taken care of and handled um, and so we've kind of less rather than like just bringing in non-healthcare people non-physicians we have really whenever we can we have really relied on docs who work locums to kind of help them join us to 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 grow it uh, in the different areas and um, yes that's nice and then working together I mean Ali and I love working together it's something that we we do very well and so you know if there's a situation oftentimes we're in clinic together so sometimes if like I'm on a call doing something or you know doing a a a podcast with a really cool podcast host and and we have a patient needs to be seen like then, you know, she'll, she'll kind of flex in and see my patient for me, uh, and vice versa. Although I feel like she ends up seeing a lot more patients for me than, <laughs> than I do for her. But, uh, you know, same thing with our kids too. Like, it's just this, it's kind of this one big, uh, uh, I don't know that we have a balance, it's just kind of one big, uh, soup of kids and, uh, Locum's company and, uh, ENT practice
0: that is, is crazy, but awesome at the same time. That's really cool. That's, that's amazing. Um, and then I guess for uh, your sites, are are you mainly in Indiana or like the Midwest? Or I guess where, like where, like geographically, where how far do you guys reach out to?
1: Yeah, so we are in uh, you know, Midwest. We start, we kind of started and grew from there. So uh, the furthest east uh, we, we go, you know, we're down in Georgia. We're down in York, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, uh, out to Montana. Um, east coast, we're we're working on expanding. Uh, and I know uh, you had uh, Brad on for the the New York. Uh, New Jersey ENT associates group that is huge out there. Right. So like mm-hmm. they have 250 docs. So from an ENT standpoint, the East coast is pretty much covered. I think <laughs> with just, just the practices that are there. So there's not, you know, it's like those guys are like, Oh man, we need, you know, we need help with call coverage. No, they're like, they're good. Right. So we're not really in the East coast much, but um, we're expanding. We have a, a site, a West director who's located in Utah. Um, who's, who's working with our sites there. And so we are largely Midwest and South in the West, some don't have much in the East, but, you know, are, you know, continuing to grow every week. We're, we're adding docs and, and sites. Um, and then the other thing that we're, that we're adding that, that's been successful and that, that I I think your listeners would be, you know, potentially interested in if they're thinking of locums, you know, it really takes kind of an entrepreneurial minded physician for this, but, um, we have several doctors who, you know, they have the site, like they, they know, Hey, you know, my, my buddies over in park city, they need some help with, with call coverage, or I know of this, I have this hospital CEO friend who I met at a conference and, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, you know, we, we go golf, we're golf buddies now and, and they need an ENT service line. Um, and so if there's these, there's these locations that a doc has, or these connections where they know the site, their client, and they want to work it or they it, it, then oftentimes I always say, Hey, dr- contract directly with the hospital. If you can don't use a locums company. Right. But, the hospitals usually want to use a middleman uh, because they, 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 they want to maintain the independent contractor status. Uh, they want the malpractice to be taken care of. And so one thing that we've been doing as a physician run company, and this is an area that I kind of a, a new area that I see growing um, and that I think we're at the forefront of. And happy to talk to anybody who's interested in this. If they have the site and they're looking at working in the hospitals, on to contract directly, is we can provide all of the servicing. You know, we we have the infrastructure to provide malpractice and the contracts and the, the accounting, which can be kind of annoying, including like providing the 1099 forms, doing the invoicing. So um, that's something to keep in mind. You know, if 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 you just want to kind of go to work and and work for the locum's job and get the get the that's great. Uh, but there are definitely some pay advantages if you, hey, you know what, you're you've you've got those connections or you're kind of networking around, um, kind of as a servicing company. And so I think that's an area that'll allow us to really um, expand into those other areas because we just don't, you know, what we're physicians, we're practicing physicians, we rely on our physician network. So as like growth through those means, through physicians hearing about us, has been has been huge, and I think we'll continue continue to be.
0: That's awesome. That's that's really a cool concept about you know, having the physicians kind of, kind of if they're interested, leading point at, you know, certain sites and helping facilitate that. That's awesome. Um, I guess as, as we wrap up here, I ask everybody when you're not practicing ENT or running running this company, what what are your, how do you balance your life if you can find any balance?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, we really kind of the things we really enjoy doing are, I know everybody, a lot of people say, oh, I love to travel. Like we really like it. Like we have a little bit of a problem. And, but at the same time, it's been great with like, doing a lot of locum's work because, you know, we, there, there's a brewery in Indiana that I love. It's called Open Barrel in Greenwood, Indiana, for anybody looking for the best beer made in the Midwest. They have a saying that goes, uh, you know, we, we brew the beer for ourselves, we drink it and whatever's left over, you know, we sell the rest. And so Allie and I kind of do that a little bit, like, are some of these ENT sites they are like, Oh man, you know, we can go work for here or there. And, you know, and then we have docs that work a lot of the other ones, but we've really utilized that ability um, to uh, travel a bunch. So we just got back from uh, Cairo. We did this, they had this like this run around the pyramids, which was awesome. And, and Dubai. And uh, last spring we uh, took all of our kids to Europe. We were there for, you know, the, the spring, uh, kind of like doing like a pseudo homeschool thing in, in the UK and, and, so we really enjoy kind of, uh, spending time together as a family. We like to hike. We like to, we like to travel and, and go around and live in different, different cool areas. And, and, uh, you know, we do some fishing as well and, and some, uh, a little bit of boating kayaking, et cetera. So that's kind of what we really like to do to keep us, keep us balanced is to kind of spend time together as a, as a couple or as a family in a place that is not, <laughs> that is not home.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool to get out and, see new places. And that makes sense as running a locums company too. <laughs>
1: right. It, it, it goes very well together. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if we just kind of had that in our heads this is what we like to do. And so then we kind of naturally gravitated to that, but it certainly has, has worked out well. And then also then, you know, we do have that practice in Evansville. So we're able to bring in our locums docs when we are gone for extended periods to, to cover for that. So we've, it's, it's kind of been a really good way to have a, a really good uh, uh, interesting, interesting, I'll uh, be clinically busy but at the same time it in a way that really that really gives us the kind of uh, life I think the uh, work life balance that we that we really uh, never thought we'd have but are are thrilled to be able to have as as uh, surgeon parents
0: sure no, that's great. That's great. Well, Dr. Royer, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to come and talk to us about locums and what you're doing with your, your business. And I guess the last thing is where can people find out more about it? Uh, where can people find out more about the company and then find out more about you and connect with you as well?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dr. Cooper. This was been a blast. And I, I, like I said, I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. Um, oh, thank you. Our website for our company is uh, ent. Ear, nose for earners and throw E N T locums L O C U M S dot com um, and that's if someone's interested in in uh, reaching out to us about either E N T locums or as I was mentioning to do provide help provide the locum tenant servicing if they would like to work kind of without the middleman uh, that's where they can reach out uh, our email address would be info uh, at ent locums com and then uh, probably the easiest way is I'm on LinkedIn at at, uh, at mark Royer M- MD um, I uh, have really come to like LinkedIn a lot and that's how we, we connected. And uh, sure. so I think it's a, a good platform and uh, yeah, so always happy to uh, connect through that, through
0: that means. Awesome. Well, we will definitely link those in the description and thank you again for taking uh, time out of your, yeah. your schedule. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed thank it. Thank you. I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DaVinci Hour podcast presented by DaVinci Academy. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice to catch the latest episodes. Please leave a comment or review and share it with a friend. Lastly, you can find all of our podcasts, video courses, and books on our website, dviacademy.com. Thank you for listening.